Welcome to the Focus Series by Dental Head Start, where we focus into your favorite topics. Hello and welcome back to the Dental Head Start podcast and on to season two of our Focus Series. Our focus in this series is in all things mental health and I'm excited to introduce our host for the series, Dr. Cajun Chia, also known as the Limitless Dentist. Cajun was born and raised in Darwin, Northern Territory. He moved to Cairns to pursue dentistry at James Cook University, where he obtained his Bachelor of Dental Surgery qualifications in 2018. Since then, he has moved back home to Darwin to work full-time for Booper Dental Practice, where he enjoys general dentistry, but has special interests in family and pediatric dentistry. In 2020, Cajun hit his lowest point in his life and career, suffering burnout, stress, and anxiety from the challenges of clinical dentistry. On the verge of quitting with poor clinical confidence, low self-esteem, and symptoms of depression, he fortunately stumbled upon some key mentors and coaches who guided him through his most transformative personal development journey. Over the course of five months, Cajun found clarity in his purpose for dentistry and reignited his passion to serve and impact his patients and community. With me here now is Cajun. So Cajun, for those who haven't heard of you before, how would you best describe yourself? I guess the best way I'd describe myself, Hayden, is in three words. Three words. Dentist, entrepreneur, motivational coach. But outside of those three titles, I'm just a regular guy who loves family, loves food, loves travel and all the exciting things outside of dentistry. But more importantly, what I love about dentistry is being connected to an awesome community of people who are helping impact life to the better. Excellent. And so when we use this focus series to explore something like mental health, you know, I think the concept around physical health is still, we're still trying to figure out, but we know, you know, to eat healthy, get eight hours sleep, exercise, but the concept around mental health is only just spreading awareness at the moment. How would you define what mental health actually is? Yeah, good question. I would say mental health, a better way to understand and reframe mental health is understanding mental fitness because I think mental health on its own, you can go through stages of health and ill health. And I think a lot of psychologists look at the paradigm of disease versus non-disease states. The way I like to think about mental health, though, is in the paradigm of mental fitness and linking back to what we know about physical fitness and physical health is that your physical health is not a product of your current state, but by what you do to stay physically healthy every single day. So it's those habits of keeping fit, of regular exercise, eating well. And in the same regards for your mental fitness, it's your then your self-care habits and what you do in terms of mindfulness to actually keep the mind fit. And what we mean by mind fitness or mental fitness, I would say is more to do with resilience in terms of how can we continue to overcome the stresses that we ultimately face in both dentistry and life. We've seen some of the statistics that talk about suicide with dentists. And I think even before this paper was published, as a dental student going into dental school, you hear about how there are high rates of depression within dentists and medical practitioners. Where does that come from? Yeah, I think it's a good question. It it can come from a variety of different sources. I think specifically for dentists and this is from my own experience of having gone through burnout myself we tend to be quite perfectionistic so i think that's one factor that across burnout if you look at all the studies a perfectionistic mindset is a huge contributor or key factor that can increase the likelihood of burnout happening or or these kind of symptoms happening the other thing too in terms of depression i think dentistry is really good at teaching us how to treat our patients but we were never really taught how to manage the emotions and the stresses that come with the career. And so because we were never taught these things, people are just relying on coping mechanisms that either their parents may have shared with them, or if you come from a, if you already have an existing relationship with a therapist or a psychologist, then you'll probably learn it from them. But a lot of these things and the big myth is that we should inherently know these things. But the way I see it is, if we accept that we did five years or four years, however many years to become a dentist, and we studied that, that dental science to become the dentist we are today, or we're looking to become, then the key to quality well-being and mental health is actually studying 
how to have a healthier mindset and, and what are some of the behaviors we're doing that are not helping us. Mm, mm. I know you talk a lot about, this wasn't really a planned question, but I'll ask it anyway, just out of curiosity, because there's, I think you talk a lot about as dental practitioners, a lot of dentists strive for perfection and really, you know, they talk about this concept of, you know, an S-shaped root perfectly treated or they see like a work of veneers or implants and on Instagram and stuff like that. And they compare themselves to these Instagram people. But uh, I feel like as a dental student, it's not so much that I'm really worried about at the moment, but it's rather just getting the satisfactory involvement in the first place that I think causes so much anxiety. Could you explore that a bit as well, as far as like actually trying treatments for the first time or even just when things don't go right, like that, you just feel like you've gotten yourself into a situation that you can't get out of? Yeah. I think the best way to explain that feeling through my own journey and also what I've learned is society, unfortunately, has conditioned us to treat failure as a fatalistic event. But actually understanding that the key to success the, I believe, and this is a mindset shift, that failure is always the precursor to success. Whereas we are taught in dental school that failing is a bad thing. Now, obviously, it's important to be safe when practicing with patients because obviously one of the differences, and I like to draw upon this, not to, to say that we are more superior than any other profession out there, but I like to draw this comparison that if an accountant gets their profit and loss sheets wrong and they make a mistake or they fail in that regard. Whilst it is still a bad outcome, no individual person or their life was impacted in the sense of their health was compromised. Because we work in health, the health space and we're working in people's mouths, when we make mistakes, it can have an effect or an experience you know, positive or otherwise for the patient. But the good side of that, on the also what I mean by that is the lucky part of being dentists though, as opposed to being medical doctors, we rarely or if ever will ever deal with a life or death situation, right? And so everything in dentistry is salvageable. Even if a tooth is extracted, an implant could be placed or a tooth can be replaced. And I think knowing that then is really then being more comfortable in changing our relationship with failure and understanding that, hey, rather than avoiding failure and being worried about making mistakes, it's actually how you grow through those mistakes and make sure we don't make obvious mistakes again to be better versions of ourselves and better dentists. Yeah, so so well said. And finally, for our listeners, what things should they expect from this focus series? What kind of topics will we be covering? You can expect a lot of amazing testimonies and stories of a whole diverse range of different dentists and their journeys. My whole mission with this focus series is not only just to highlight the importance of mental health and well-being, and we're going to definitely cover that, but it's actually to normalize that it's okay to feel anxious. It is okay to feel burnt out. It is okay to feel any negative or, or ill feeling uh, towards either your career or where you are in life. The key thing is, though, is understanding that if it's normal and you're no longer feeling isolated, you can actually get help and overcome it as well. But more importantly, understanding that there is no cookie cutter approach to dentistry. And the biggest thing I want people to take away through um, the amazing guests I'll be interviewing is that you really have the power to carve out the dental career of your dreams. And it doesn't have to be anything like anyone else's because no one else is like you. I'm excited, but before we can get into this episode, a brief trigger warning. This series topic has been inspired by the recent article published out of the Journal of Community Dentistry and Oral Epidemiology, published by Dr. Matthew Hopcraft, Dr. Nicole Storman, Dr. Roshan McGrath, and Dr. Gordon Parker. This paper revealed the results of a conducted survey that during 12 months of 2021, one out of six Australian dentists have contemplated thoughts of taking their own life, and 31%, roughly one in three, have contemplated the thought prior. If you really think about what this means, the thought is quite sobering. I really think a lot of us go into this profession hearing these statistics and believe that, well, that won't be me. I can handle myself. 
It seems, however, that kind of mentality is what gets us caught when things don't go our way and start to fall apart. And that mental resilience that we thought that we had gets truly tested in times where failures can cause serious consequences. You may have noticed that one of the great sponsors of our podcast is Dental Practitioner Support that provide a national 24-7 support service for the dental professionals and provide resources on how to stay physically and mentally healthy in the dental work environment. We at the Dental Head Start team recommend to reach out if you have had any of these thoughts or even feelings of self-doubt. Now on that note, we invite you to listen to this episode. Alrighty, welcome to the Dental Head Start podcast, Mental Health and Wellbeing Focus Series. Uh, my name is Cajun. I'm a practicing dentist in Darwin, and I'm also the founder of The Limitless Dentist, uh, which was a company I founded to create mindset tools to help dental professionals overcome burnout um, and really unlock their fulfilling dental career of their dreams. I've been asked by the Dental Head Start podcast team, which I'm very thankful for, to host a couple of these episodes and bring some a wide array of guests to talk about a really important topic of mental health and well-being in dentistry. Now, for today's episode, we're really, really fortunate to have another international guest joining us today on the Dental Head Start podcast. And this guest is actually all the way from the UK. So we have Dr. Maruk Kwaja, who is a dentist, positive psychologist, accredited mindfulness teacher, and also the founder and CEO of Mind Ninja, an award-winning wellness startup dedicated to improving mental health and resilience among dental professionals. Now, Mind Ninja's comprehensive range of training, coaching, and wellness products include the signature Mind Flossing Toolkit and has been implemented by a diverse range of organizations, including Unilever, Colgate, the NHS Health Education England, the King's College London, Acteon, the British Dental Association, and the Royal College of Physicians and Surgeons of Glasgow. She is also the author of the first dental textbook on the resilience and well-being of dental professionals, and we're really, really excited to have her here today on the Dental Heads Up podcast. So welcome, Maruk. Thank you so much, Cajun. Very excited to be on. Yes, it's so great to be able to have this conversation. And, you know, many dentists, you know, when they think about their career, tend to think about you know, the clinical aspects or maybe specializing in very clinical focused areas of dentistry. But what I found interesting about your story, Maruk, is how you took a bit of a, a different route and actually did another degree in positive psychology. So, you know, I'd love to know a bit of how you actually began your journey and, and what drew you to the whole space of positive psychology. Yeah, so actually, interestingly enough, I have always been interested in psychology. So in my third year of dental school, we had this option to integrate and do a BSc in a year. And the majority of dental students don't take up this option, but it's normally the medic feel as though they need to, like it, it looks good on, on their CV in terms of getting the next jobs. But I just really was excited to have the opportunity to come out of dentistry and to study something else you know I jumped at that opportunity and it was just wonderful like learning about um, psychology and understanding um, the different aspects of behavior and that's always been something I'm quite curious about ever since I was younger and then I kind of graduated with no I had plans you know when you graduate you've got lots of plans to think about you know, what, what you want to do in the future, what job you want to get into, what kind of work you want to do, what you want to specialise in. So it was very dental focused at that point. I graduated 2010 then from King's and went into general practice. And about five years or six years into in general practice, I was in a, like a really high needs area in Birmingham working, seeing lots and lots of patients and very busy kind of NHS dental practice. And I had uh, got married a few years prior to that. And I was going through a divorce that I really didn't want to be going through. I wasn't, um, I hadn't planned obviously for it. We don't go into a marriage thinking it's going to uh, end in, in divorce. And so it was a, a real struggle to cope emotionally with. So at that point I was working five days and luckily having had that psych background from 
being a student, I had this big appreciation for um, therapy. And although I'd learned about the psychological tools, I didn't know how to use them myself. And I, and so I, I didn't have any kind of knowledge, but I, I knew that it would, would be helpful. Um, and so from my perspective, I felt quite keen to go and seek help from a therapist in terms of just someone that would help me with tools that I can kind of navigate this journey um, and navigate it in a better way. So for me, it felt really obvious and um, much needed. Like I had support from family and friends, but it wasn't enough. But I, I do know that obviously there is a big stigma um, when we look at our dental colleagues, it's not so linear for them. But for me, having had that positive experience with psych and not feeling that judgment, it, it, it did feel quite comfortable for me. So I found a therapist in Birmingham and it was just amazing to have someone help me and guide me through this journey. So when you go through any sort of trauma or you lose something, so it might be a breakup or it could be a death of a parent or you know a loved one, whatever it might be, you go through the stages of grief. So it was a big kind of learning curve as to like what that looked like practically speaking. So I thought it was very linear. You know, you have your period of depression, your period of anger, and and you move through these stages. But that's just not what it's like. It's it's much more haphazard. And what that means practically speaking is that don't feel very stable and you feel as though your emotions are all over the place and you know prior to that it felt very calm so it felt very difficult to surf those uncomfortable feelings and also I was spending a lot of time in the past where all I was time traveling into the future that felt super anxious almost like you know these tectonic plates had moved and shifted and my world had changed I didn't understand what the world could look like in the future and so you know during that period I was noticing symptoms of depression I had very low mood very low motivation didn't I wasn't getting pleasure from the things that would normally give me pleasure and meaning and so that aspect of loss of meaning was was really difficult to cope with and so through that therapy journey I discovered how to implement certain tools like cognitive behavioral therapy and also just understand uh, things like grief better and understand the, the different kind of processes that are involved with the grief process as well as being introduced to mindfulness and self-compassion practices so prior to that I had heard about mindfulness but felt very resistant because it just felt like a trending buzzword and but my therapist really encouraged me to look into it and so I remember being like in a bookshop and picking up a book on mindfulness and my first kind of window into it was this you know, this book and it was it, it was mostly like lots of pictures and a few words and that was only that was probably the only thing I could really process it was quite hard reading when you're you're depressed and you're you're feeling quite anxious about the future it was just hard to like take in info so I also listened to audiobooks and I discovered Headspace so before I went to the the meditation app I discovered the Headspace founders books online and so I was listening to that and it, and it just was very kind of comforting to know that the, here is a tool that can help you despite whatever's going on currently in your life, can help you feel calmer and more grounded through anchoring through the breath and being present. And so I practiced, I started practicing mindfulness formally like outdoors and in nature. And I found that being in nature was super healing. Prior to that, I had no relationship with nature. I would say I wasn't like a big walker or, you know, I'd, I'd done a few runs and 5Ks and things, but I wasn't, it wasn't like part of my routine. And so having nature and photography actually as well. So like combining the two was really beneficial. So I would practice mindfulness through taking photos and honing into like the different colors and the lights and textures, as well as like being creative through that process. And then just slowly like kind of rediscovering my strengths. So I leaned into art therapy quite a lot as well. So I started up painting classes. And um, so it was like group art, and not in not to like get, get good at art, but just 
as pure like something to do that was good for me and yeah just getting like really interested in how I could have moments where I could really be present through getting lost in paint and color so that was like the whole point and I hadn't I didn't know about it then but when we lose track of time and get into like these flow states which as which art can really help you to do you know the, the process of of painting that's really beneficial for the brain and it's associated with happiness states compared to when we're ruminating about the past you know we're chewing over these thoughts about the past or we're time traveling the future which is quite an anxious state uh, for many of us it's really beneficial um to be present because those states are often associated with depressed states anxious states and and so it it was quite interesting kind of actually going through that experience experientially learning those things and then later on like joining the dots and realizing wow like there's so many benefits to creativity and i'd kind of lost a lot of that aspect of me having kind of gone through the clinical path into dentistry prior to that like as a kid i loved art and i loved not to say i was like wicked at art or anything but like i loved art i love writing poetry i love literature anything creative was like really exciting to me so it was nice to like reconnect with that side and reconnect with that strength and so it's quite a roundabout way of saying it but i'd gone through kind of depression and then a few years later, burnout. And so I had this like experiential understanding, like more than a textbook understanding of what those look like with me. And so I, um, after the divorce and recovery, I moved back home, back to London, and I started wanting to connect more with dental professionals. And so the route really was initially, how about I like I create a group, a women's group? Like I want to connect with more women. I don't I don't feel like I've got many strong female dental connections. I'd love to have more of those. And so I created a nonprofit conference and actually like half the day was well-being and then half the day was clinical. And that was, you know, part of the point was creating something new and having um, well-being like being a big role in that so I you know I had speakers speaking about nutrition and fitness and I talked about mental well-being and I had like a, a really cool like array of speakers and then that experience led me to have a bit more confidence around thinking about how I could make more of a impact on well-being so you know prior to that I'd been advocating for mental health uh, support and just mental health in dentistry in general because there wasn't much of a conversation around um, like you know getting honest and getting you know really talking openly about stress anxiety burnout you know those things were happening but there wasn't much conversation in the kind of conference level event level you know it was very much also focused at crisis point as well so I wanted to talk more about other things too like happiness um, and meaning which I felt like was missing in the space and so I thought okay you know looking at the intervention research like what is working well in medics and healthcare are psychological interventions um, and so why can't we bring that to dentistry and have well-being education that's evidence-based that I can share and that could be like a call USB, it's working, it's in the literature, we're very much focused on literature as clinicians. And so it kind of like, I don't know, it just felt like super obvious to me. So to compare the neuroscience with mindfulness and positive psych, like that was like really obvious. And then I was looking at also what was happening like outside of healthcare and looking at other organizations like Google who have a wellness uh, program for their employees and they teach like these happiness skills and all of these other aspects well-being aspects that were happening because there was you know a clear link between um, and there's even more like data to support that now but like a clear link between well-being and you know if your team is happier then it's more productive more profitable less uh, absenteeism so like in terms of putting doubling down on well-being and well-being culture and positive cultures it makes a lot of sense and so that really transforms the conversation from just being the piece around there are some people that are suffering and burning out 
and who are depressed to actually this impacts everyone like this is just so important and just the importance of kind of prevention as well like really uh, made sense and so it was thinking of okay well how do I do that and I didn't really know to be honest like how when you first start out and I didn't have any business skills like anything around like I didn't know how to be an entrepreneur or even like the steps at all and so it was great in terms of being scared and doing it anyway um, that was like a big mantra that I was kind of living by growth mindset as well and I leaned on like several different mentors so I spoke to Prof Tim Newton who taught me psych as a student I basically hunted him down on one of the conferences so I went to his like at the dentistry showcase in Birmingham I went to his talk and I was there actually to like pitch to organizations for sponsorship because this is a charity conference, right? So I need sponsors. Um, and I realized that Tim was like on the program. And so I sat in, listened to his talk, which was great. And then I literally approached him like straight after. And I was like, look, Tim, you're amazing. I remember you, you know, I really loved psychology as a dental student. You know, the, there's a big problem right now. Like, can I talk to you? And for some reason, he said yes. And um, and and so this is like before COVID, and so it kind of like it was good because I think now everyone's a little bit more anxious about meeting face to face. But then he was like, yeah, come over, and then I'd go to Guy's Tower. So I'd go to London Bridge, and I'd literally rock up with a presentation I'd made, and I'd show him, and uh, he'd he'd help me like kind of work out like what would the program look like and so initially it was like kind of designing something and then I had quite a lot of feedback from him over like the next you know few months which was really confidence instilling uh, because obviously when you're starting afresh in a different area you do feel quite anxious as to how you're gonna help someone um, and like the judgment etc and there's a lot of judgment from your side and so you don't have that confidence necessarily at that point. But his point actually with me doing this work and what was really nice is he didn't feel threatened and, you know, it was very like pleasant and like comfortable. He was very pro me doing this was, look, you're a dentist and so no one can take that away from you. You've actually got clinical experience. So it doesn't matter if you're not a super experienced psychologist or, you know, you haven't had that training at this point that's okay because my, my thing was like do I need to study do I need to do this like what's the deal it was like no you you were fine but I, I did, did end up doing a master's in applied positive psychology mostly because it made so much sense to do that in my journey because all the resilient stuff comes from this area and like things that were resonating with me that psych wasn't addressing so traditional psychology focuses on like mental illness and what and those aspects so it's really if you think of like a spectrum you're getting someone from a minus number to zero and that's that's kind of the main focus I would say with like a lot of psychology and that's why positive psychology which was created which is focusing from like how do you go from like a zero to like a plus seven plus fourteen so how do you get to thriving states and what are the qualities that make individuals and organizations thrive and you know what makes the good life and what brings happiness and meaning and purpose all of these things that really is a more rounded picture of well-being because well-being is more than the absence of illness so that's kind of why I did the masters and then I kind of I started off team training and that shifted to the pandemic happened and then it was online kind of webinars and I saw okay well this is proper boring let's think of how do we make this engaging and so I started creating workshops and from the workshops I started creating workbooks and then the book was born through that and then the toolkit was actually a master's dissertation project they get you to create a product not actually create it but write about a product and so it made sense for me to then and actually make it and so I hired an illustrator sourced a printer and then just created this the whole thing so that was self-published but the book I got that published through Whining Blackwell and I kind of pitched this like really fun workbook to them in 2020 and 
somehow like they said yes <laughs> and then yeah and then the book was made that's such a phenomenal journey and, and first of all I want to thank you Marug for being so vulnerable with us and sharing a really important kind of turning point of your life and your career and if it's okay by stepping back a little bit into that beginning part of the journey when you said that you did actually experience burnout and you know I know exactly how that feels because I've been there as well do you think it was the combination of the life stresses and things outside of the career that led to your career burnout? Were there other things you were experiencing throughout your early part of your career that led to the burnout as well? So the burnout happened actually a few years after the depression. Um, and so that took me by surprise. And that was, as it often is, very much in line with not what was going on with my outside life, but more with the work culture in the practices that I was at. And so often with burnout, there's an individual component to it, but also another aspect and big aspect is organisation. And so the environment that you're in makes a big difference. Um, and particularly if your values don't line up with the values of the organization and there's a clash, then that's really problematic and, and you've got a higher chance of leading to burnout. So the practice I was working in had very high kind of targets and it was a very like highly stressed, highly strong kind of team. So although there were like lots of team members, you felt quite isolated and you couldn't do normal things like speak to reception. So your lack of autonomy and control was taken away. And that's, you know, another big aspect. You didn't really feel psychologically safe to, you know, show up and like be authentic and share things you're not happy with because you were fearful. So those aspects were quite important. But, you know, reflecting on it now, I probably... When I first graduated, and I also had a really tough time with a boss that I was working with after my foundation training. So it was like the first year out with like no one there to kind of support you in that way. And that environment also was really toxic. And I felt like I had to stay because I felt like it would look bad on my CV if I left early. And so these things that you kind of do because you feel like there's no other option but there are options so yeah so I think that that burnout was because of the toxic work environment but then also I didn't have it's kind of like relapsing around your self-care and just realizing that there are certain environments that aren't good for you so as soon as I kind of was taking out that environment then things did improve so part, sometimes it's kind of working out are you in a place that helps you kind of grow and develop as a clinician and show up and be happy? And if it isn't, then yeah, just leave because there are other positions out there. And also there's so many cool ways of making money. You don't have to do one thing. You can be completely portfolio, do lots of different things. Uh, we've all got lots of different hobbies. So there are different ways you can show up in even the dental space if you wanted to just work in dentistry right so it's also kind of worth remembering that but yeah I think my, the big part of the burnout was the workplace and, and feeling like very much like I didn't have that control autonomy and that is important when we're creating positive work cultures and for principals and practice managers to realize that there's a type of management that is positive that's going to really help your team grow and flourish and that's the kind of management that we want to see rather than blaming or fearful you know we want um we want something that's not toxic and you know away from bullying and those aspects and um, so yeah I think that's always worth addressing and there's a lot of responsibility that needs to be taken by principals it's unpopular opinion but <laughs> principals team uh, like practice owners have responsibility around the mental well-being of their staff you know there are things that they can do to help mitigate risks it's worth kind of exploring that and that's something I'm always championing and it's something that actually is being erased a lot more now as well so you know a few years ago the mental health wellness in dentistry framework was released which is a, a document a bunch of UK 
dental, dentists, nurses, psychologists, including Tim as well as on there, and Fiona Elwood, they created this framework to help practice owners. So in that, they suggest a few recommendations, such as having a mental health first aider, uh, having a mental health lead, having stress management um, training annually, you know, things like that. So yeah, I, I think it is worth kind of pointing out that it's not, it's not, it all needs to come together, you know, for organization needs to do its bit. And then, you know, we can support staff by also giving them tools. So it's not just one aspect um, and it all kind of comes together to help mitigate some of these crazy statistics when it comes to mental health within our profession. As dentists and dental students, we all have difficult days. You may experience workplace or training demands that have a direct impact on your physical, emotional and psychological health and well-being. This is exactly what dental practitioner support is for. It's a completely confidential and independently run service that's funded by the Dental Board of Australia in an effort to support practitioners and dental students right across the country. Sometimes people call just at the end of a long day to debrief, but sometimes they call because there's more challenging things going on. Dental practitioner support is there for you in these times to give proactive advice, help you improve your health and well-being before there are major concerns. We all need a helping hand sometimes, and it's okay to ask for help. So if you find you need it, call 1-800-377-700 or visit the website dpsupport.org.au. They have loads of great information to get you started. Did you ever find, Marug, that during your journey outside of your organisational changes that you were either changing your environment to be more supportive and more conducive for your wellness and mental health? Did you have, like, what were some of the things that you did whether it was therapy or some tools that were useful for you because I'm sure there are going to be some dental practitioners or even dental students listening to this podcast who may be in this environment you're describing now, right? And one thing I found during my burnout phase was there was uh, a significant decrease in self-confidence and self-esteem, both clinically and of, I guess, life in general. So how did you improve your self-confidence through that difficult journey and, and through therapy and through overcoming that burnout to be in a place of as you say now thriving yeah so there's several things first of all just an increased awareness of what's going on with your thoughts and emotions and where you're at is really important so that's always kind of your starting point you want to know what's happening emotionally how you feeling body-wise what you know being able to check in with yourself is really beneficial so having those skills and that might be through taking a mindful deep breath and asking yourself those questions in the morning could be doing that during different points in your work day it could be through journaling uh, some people do this whilst they're running you know there are several ways you can do this but having that alone time quiet time to really understand what's happening and slow down and mindfulness is one way that i find really useful in doing that um that check-in um, because it's free, it's accessible, you can do this quietly and very quickly. You can do this outdoors with music. There's so many ways you can do that. So that's been really useful to me. Another aspect as well around self-confidence has been around just understanding strengths um, better. So understanding more strengths and how I can use them both to navigate kind of challenges um, at work or outside work, but also how I can improve my well-being through just kind of amplifying and doubling down on them. In other organisations outside of dentistry and healthcare, there is a very big emphasis on strengths already. In fact, a lot of positions are crafted through strengths. Um, and so it's interesting to bring that to dentistry. But yeah, it's very beneficial. We know from the research there's so many benefits in terms of our happiness and well-being, resilience through using our strengths. I guess a way that I can share that in terms of an example is when I was sharing about my journey initially, finding this my creativity strength during that period of depression 
was really powerful for me because I reconnected to a part of myself that I'd forgotten about. And I was able to then get into flow states. And yeah, it didn't feel make me feel like ecstatic. That's not the point. Um, it's more about inviting some positive emotions. So that could be things like gratitude and compassion, sense of sun- serenity, those humble emotions that are very powerful. So, you know, having a clear idea around your strengths, particularly as a dental student, when you are still learning, you're going on a very big, steep learning curve in terms of your clinical competencies, that's where your strengths like super shine. Like using your strengths can be really, really beneficial. And then just kind of also, I think another aspect to tie into this is knowing your values as well. So having a clear idea as to what matters to you the most and what your kind of North Star is, is really helpful. So that could look like, you know, growth is really important to me. Maybe compassion is super important to me maybe making a difference is really important to me. So just being clear as to what your values are mean that when you even like at work and you have a difficult aggressive patient, you know, maybe how you want to show up at that point, even though they're being really annoying and, you know, crossing a lot of boundaries, having a clear idea as to how you want to show up day by day. So that's very different from goal setting. It's more really kind of the direction you want to go in and the kind of person you want to show up. And prior to the burnout and depression, I feel as though I was kind of sleepwalking and just kind of on a path that maybe um, society or like pressures, culture aspect wanted me to, or what what the desired thing was to do. Um, But I wasn't very engaged at work, so I didn't feel very motivated or connected. And But when we are aware of our values and bring those into action we have so much more richness and meaning in our life and that's really powerful kind of doubling down on that can be really useful particularly in the beginning of a career when you are meeting different principles different practices you're in different environments Um, and so maybe your self-confidence and self-esteem isn't quite there around your competencies but being aware more of your strengths and your values is very much confidence building because you're focusing on your best qualities and everyone has good qualities rather than focusing on just the weaknesses kind of amplifying like what you're naturally good at is just so joyous and so I would encourage all students to do that and it's it's so important because as you know dental school is so difficult probably I would say the hardest kind of career aspect you're ever going to do and it it can be quite terrifying because dependent on how you're taught every teacher has a different style and certainly there were lots of teachers at King's I'm I'm sure it's not the only uni not to say King's are terrible but you know there was a certain style of some of the teachers that were quite was quite shaming and fear-based and we just know that doesn't work if you know focus on growth mindset and self-compassion in our education that's really powerful um, and important and so you know in lots of ways undergrad curriculum needs to change to implement these aspects of strengths finding values finding because you want to know this the beginning of your career it's going to help you so much like going forward i think those are some amazing tips you shared there marok and i know it kind of complements this other factor i definitely experienced in my career which was imposter syndrome Right, where we feel, uh, especially early in our careers or even as dental students, this kind of classic notion of faking it till you make it. And uh, I know that you've, you've touched on upon key aspects of improving self-confidence through acting with integrity and coming from a core values basis. I'd love to know, you know, what else, if someone is experiencing imposter syndrome, you know, how does, what is the positive psych element to that, that you can help to uh, overcome imposter syndrome? And is it, is it much the same of what you've just mentioned in terms of helping to stick to values and stick to strengths and come from a lens of building that self-confidence? And as a result, you help to uh, quiesce the, uh, the imposter feeling. Yeah, that's a really great question. I've definitely suffered a lot from imposter syndrome. And I remember even starting the startup with my ninja, I was getting a lot of anxiety, but it 
it feels a lot like excitement as well. So it's really confusing. Um, and then that kind of anxiety excitement would then prevent me from actually doing work. Um, and so it's a bit of a vicious cycle. But yeah, I can definitely resonate with a lot of that, particularly also, as you were saying, in dentistry when you first start out, or even when you're upskilling and you're trying new things, you know, that that all can pop up. Firstly, it's really, really common. Um, and again, another unpopular opinion, but you're not going to be able to, unrealistic to expect that this thought will just never happen again once you learn some tools. Actually, the idea is to, I, I think from the way I would approach it, and I think that what's resonated with me the most, because there are different tools you can use. You can use cognitive behavioral therapy. We could do mindful self-compassion. We can use acceptance commitment therapy. There's lots of different ways you could tackle it. But what seems to resonate with me the most is coming from the mindfulness act aspect, which is becoming curious around your thoughts and letting them in and still doing things that really scare the shit out of you like keep doing those things because that's part of you being human means that you will experience some unhelpful thoughts such as i'm not good enough the key is to remember that thoughts are not facts that actually our brain has these automatic negative thoughts and it's actually been evolved that way to protect us so it is actually coming from a place of love but it, it doesn't feel very kind at that time and it you know the idea behind those thoughts is to keep you keep you safe but it isn't helpful at that point and the idea i think really is to remind yourself that you're not alone in experiencing this and that you can get curious as to like what's going on. So you might say to yourself, oh, I notice I'm having a thought that I'm not good enough or in ACT, what we often say is we use like different metaphors. It could be like, oh, I'm noticing I'm having, you know, that typical kind of chatter, the imposter syndrome chatter. It could look like radio doom and gloom or, you know, you could like take the out of it, you know, that, that aspect as well. So kind of being curious as to what's happening, saying things like, I notice I'm having a sort that puts a bit of distance between you and that sort can be really powerful. And then giving yourself lots of self-compassion in that process where you're acknowledging that, okay, this isn't very nice. Like, yeah, it's, I understand this is coming from a loving place, but it doesn't feel good. And, you know, I've got your back what can I do to support you in this moment? So talking to yourself like you would a friend and that can be really powerful. So it might be like, what soothing words can I use in this moment? It could be what physical gestures can I do to help support myself? So like squeezing my arm or hand. And these are things that we can do, you know, when we're with patients, no one needs to know about this. It could also involve like taking a deep breath and making sure that the exhale is longer than the inhale to trigger the parasympathetic nervous system and invite this sense of like a, a range of positive emotions, including like calm and gratitude and compassion, one of these like important positive emotions. So a component could be self-compassion to this, but just to know that whenever like we, we level up and we go on to that next step, we might notice those thoughts pop up that doesn't mean that we're on the wrong path and that you're not doing well with learning these tools it's more that actually as humans where we're improving ourselves and our skills and competencies we're getting out of our comfort zones it does mean that we need to really embody growth mindset and be okay with being scared at times or anxious at times or noticing those thoughts pop up you know, we're not those thoughts so, and those thoughts aren't always accurate. And I think what's helpful sometimes rather than disputing those thoughts is to just have those thoughts come in. Don't push them away, but more like just let them in like, oh yeah, there it goes again. Like this is that thought again. And that is a lot more sustainable um, then like constantly like having that thought at arm's length that you just get tired by having to constantly push away and be vigilant against those thoughts and you feel bad whenever you notice those thoughts um, and so like having a kind of radical approach of acceptance which I know I appreciate is really tough 
and it's probably not what a, what a student would want to hear but it's actually kind of comforting because you then know that you can go through this and and it's going to be fine and that it's quite natural and you can still do scary things and you don't have to buy into those you don't have to buy into the narrative or story of of that sort because it's it's not necessarily accurate even if it is accurate it's not helpful very true and i love that you know accepted commitment therapy perspective and self-compassion perspective which i know you're a huge advocate of and shared how that really allows us to empower ourselves by taking back control of our thoughts and feelings and, and, and kind of letting them wash through, letting us experience them, but realize that, you know, we have a choice to make in terms of how we respond to those particular emotions. Um, and I've definitely found through my own therapy journey and through overcoming burnout that that's been very powerful to getting back to some level of calm, but also then getting to a, a stage of wellness and thriving again. If you're on the hunt to upgrade your current pair of loops, or if you're a student looking to invest in your very first pair, let's talk about Admitech Loops by Byron Medical. Last year, just about everyone around me was showing off their brand new pair of refractive loops with a wireless butterfly line that had just hit the market. I had to get on board and I'm pleased to say I've not looked back, or should I say down, since. Lightweight, sturdy and stylish, Admatex Ergo Loops are designed to optimize your posture so you're not popping a disc trying to prep the distal of that 4.7. Level up your scales and cleans when you can actually see every tiny fleck of calculus fly off the tube. With a tiny battery light that clips on magnetically and switches out seamlessly even mid-procedure, say goodbye to getting tangled in your wires and the painful indents on your nose bridge from having to support heavy loops. Biomedical are Australian-based and are quick and easy to get in touch with and address any issues you have. They'll even come out to your workplace for your initial consult and fitting session. So look no further, pardon the puns, and join the club. And if you mention Dental Head Start, they'll even throw in a special added bonus. I'd love to know your thoughts, Marok, as well, because I feel like in this day and age of, I guess, Instagram and social media platforms where we're seeing a lot more clinical cases and just dentistry, not just from the public eye, that the public gets access to this information, but especially as a young dental student or a young clinician, seeing some really high caliber dentistry very early on in our careers where in the past you may have only had access to that material by going to a, uh, a conference or, or, or what have you or, or a dental textbook. How do you think um, that has brought in, I guess, this comparison factor? Because I definitely know I've, I've experienced in the past when I was going through a burnout journey or even just seeing a nice case on Instagram and going, oh, gosh, I wish my dentistry looked like that or my, my restorations never looked like that or my veneers or I couldn't possibly do those veneers or that kind of thoughts and feelings. Um, you know, what are your strategies and things you've learned through positive psych? And I guess your take on how social media comparison can be quite detrimental and harmful to your dental career yeah so exactly what you're saying in terms of dentistry being supervisual in the problem with that is you've got these this very beautiful highly curated feed with this gorgeous like different treatments composite bonding gorgeous like crowns veneers very high aesthetic work that naturally you do feel like you're not good enough, that you're not going to be at that standard ever. You might see these pictures of your peers posting. But just to kind of remind, it's important to remind yourself that these are the highlight reels and, and you don't know the journey to that picture, right? So there could be lots of failures to that point. But obviously on Instagram, you're going to show the best bits. And also just to be clear as to like why that person might be posting, it could be to get more clients, right? So it's very much focused on patients, not on clinicians. And so it, it's it's important to be kind of clear that this is not necessarily completely real. It can be retouched. I know that can happen as well. So, you know, it, it, it's not always very accurate, but it is very natural to compare yourself. So, you know, firstly, kind of reminding yourself that, these thoughts are quite common and and also with social media there are that that's a big kind of negative but there are lots of positives 
through being on social media and the connection, meeting new people, particularly internationally, like seeing what's happening can be really powerful. So I think what would be helpful is getting clear as to what accounts are that feel quite inspiring and positive to you, because it could be that there are certain accounts where they're also posting um, very beautiful work, but it's more of an educational post where they show the workflow and that's actually really interesting to you and you don't feel as triggered. So just being clear as to what happens by looking at different posts and then unfollowing people that aren't giving you joy and then following those people that are giving you joy can be really, really useful. And it might be that perhaps you don't want any dental posts because, you know, when you're on socials, you don't want to particularly feel like that. And so it might be that you just don't follow anyone dental and that you're, you're using socials maybe to connect with, it could be still dental people, but ones that share about other things and that are a bit more rounded and aren't posting lots of clinical stuff, but they're, they're sharing other passions um, and that might be more fun to you or you just want to use socials for other things. And so that can be quite, quite useful. And then like, I guess another aspect as well is the notifications aspect to social media. Like we're so bombarded with different things and tasks and we've got so much to do in our day, having our brain constantly reminded of someone liking a post or like someone posting or, or LinkedIn, this is a like proper annoying one where you, you get that notification that this number of people have looked at your profile, which isn't that helpful. <laughs> like, I don't know how that's going to help me in life knowing that like, you know, 200 people are looking at my profile. Like, how is that? beneficial. But we, we know that social media companies are looking for ways for us to be on the apps. And this is one way, right? So having the notifications off or limited can be really useful. So I don't actually have my notifications on and I have to go into an app to see the notifications. That can be really, really useful. And then having a digital detox. So having maybe there's periods of the day when you are not on social media or the weekend like having a day where you're not you're not actually using socials or at least having daily time before you go to bed say so recommend like not being on socials for the last kind of couple of hours before you go to bed so there's aspect of the blue light but also just being stimulated by you know conversations and tiktok and yes it, it, i think it is really difficult but it is possible when you have like certain boundaries and it might be that you've got a timer which limits like how much time you're on socials and that can be quite useful uh, so there are different ways i think it is generally quite difficult when you have a business and you're on socials to promote your business and to help that grow i think it is generally quite difficult and a lot of dental professionals are on socials for that reason where they're trying to get more customers and patients and profiling their work and with platforms like Instagram specifically, it is very much about like showcasing the best bits, the highlights, and that has changed a little bit, obviously, as the social has changed over the years. And there's a little bit more emphasis on being real, I guess, and authentic at times. But at the end of the day, I think once you know like why that person is posting what their goal is, it's to get more customers, then it might be that you don't want to follow that person necessarily because, you know, you're not even the customer base for them. And it might be that you want to, like I said, you're more interested in the workflow and you're more interested in like connecting with other dental professionals that are like maybe on the speaker circuit or they like doing some cool things, or, you know, that might be like more useful to you. Um, and just being aware of, you know, if they are triggering, you don't have to stay um, following them yeah you know you can unfollow them and there are ways of curating your feed so that it's a bit more positive yeah I think those are some excellent tips and I really love how you tied that in with boundaries really and boundary setting and making sure that we are more rather than being at the mercy of algorithms of social media taking back control of what we actually want to see and what brings us joy seeing more of that, doing more of that, and what doesn't bring us joy, seeing less of that. So I think those are some fantastic tips. And I think, you know, what I've really loved about this discussion so far in conversation, Marok, is how many amazing tips you've shared 
to for either students or you know young clinicians uh, or any clinician who, who's listening to the Dental Head Start podcast, because really the whole ethos of this podcast is to help make dental students better dentists, but also if you are already a dentist, to be a better version of what you are now. And I guess to kind of wrap things up, you know, I know created some fantastic products that highlight and, and, and delve deeper into some of the things you've shared today in terms of the positive psychology aspect. So, you know, if how can students or anyone that's into the podcast find out more about what you do with Mind Ninja and even some of the access, some of the products that you have available to help improve resilience and well-being within their dental careers? So you can go to the website, so mindlittle-ninja.co.uk. Um, as well as emailing me, so maroth at mindlittle-ninja.co.uk or find me on Instagram, so it's mindninja.wellbeing. So you can access the Mindfossing Toolkit, um, which is this one here. So just a little bit around the toolkit, just to summarise, it's a mindfulness-based intervention, so it's a deck of wellbeing cards and... I'll just show you a few of the cards. So I've got like a, a bunch of cards here. Um, they've got a illustration at like the front of the card and then behind the card, there's a description. And um, so some of the cards are, are very much like around the theory and understanding like a concept, but some of the cards are um, an activity. So this one in particular, for example, which is around switching off your autopilot kind of talks you through an activity that you can do so these are the purple cards so you can really practice a mindfulness technique and do this daily so this is all around like picking one thing you do such as brushing your teeth showering eating and taking time to notice all the different aspects to that activity and being kind of grounded in that process and I've got even like a yoga card here so this is like dentistry yoga that you can do chair yoga that you can do at work and it goes through a different activity i've got a meditation here as well that kind of talks you through it so that's a mind fasting toolkit that you can get from the website as well as actually on instagram and then the book is a deep dive into all aspects of well-being so you know it covers a resilience framework that I created for dental professionals, as well as lots of different topics like how to create habits that stick, the neuroscience of mindfulness and self-compassion, work-life harmony and motivation, all of those aspects that, that are really important. And it's ultimately like a kind of, I would say like a workbook. So you've got lots of different worksheets that take you through integrating the theory that you've just like read up on so it's like a bite-sized info and then you get to like practically speaking um write down um and explore those different themes um, and apply them to your life both with patients and at home so i think that's kind of really cool aspect of it and it's really kind of colorful like i said it covers all these topics in so much depth i've got imposter syndrome here as well and you know tackling interesting or difficult challenges at work like commonplace challenges like tackling anxiety at work compassionate care challenges you know lots of different aspects that can be quite useful to you you can actually write down on the book itself and it's also paired with a website so you know, after you've written it in the book, you can write online as well. And so, yeah, I'm very excited to have that on the market as well. Fantastic. And I think, you know, firstly, thank you so much for creating these fantastic resources. I mean, I've, you know, got the textbook myself and the Mind Flossing Kit, and I can share a testimony that it is a fantastic resource uh, for dental professionals. And I just know having that, you know, resource available when you need it in the practice, either as a as the, the flossing, mind flossing toolkit, which are awesome cards, where very easy to read and easy to use and apply. But more importantly, I love the fact that you have a, you've changed the game of, the, of a textbook in by actually making it a workbook and something that is fun, engaging, creative, and also um, something that can 
be used in any phase of your dental career or journey or something that you can come back to and redo if you're ever needing it as a, a resource or some mindfulness and wellness tools if you're ever struggling in any particular aspect of your career or life. So I want to really thank you again, Maruk, for your time today, all the way from the UK, uh, for sharing not only your knowledge and your wisdom, but your story. And, you know, I can't wait for to see how Mind Ninja is going to continue to grow. And yeah, you know, obviously for those of you who are tuning into the podcast today, we're also going to include all those links of how you can find out more about Dr. Maruk and Mind Ninja in the show notes. So I want to thank you again for being here on the podcast. And also I want to thank the Dental Head Start podcast team for allowing me to be the host of this fantastic uh, wellness and mental health focus series. I highly recommend if you're looking for extra resources, to check out not only the show notes, um, but to really engage with these important self-reflection questions and ask yourself some key questions that can take you on a wonderful journey of self-development, but more importantly, invite you to reflect on how you can improve your well-being and mental health. With that, we're going to wrap up the uh, podcast and we'll see you for the next episode. Thank you so much for listening to the Dental Head Start podcast. I genuinely hope this is helping you become a better dentist. So if you like what you're hearing, make sure you subscribe on your podcast player and I want you to do me a favor. I want you to go to social media and share something that you've appreciated from us with one of your friends. That's how the word gets out. That's how more people gain and benefit from what we're doing. And if you're a dental student or a graduate and you want to get a head start, go to dentalheadstart.com to find everything we're doing to help dental students become great dentists.